you said mm-hmm. that love takes hard work and to delude ourselves into thinking otherwise is extremely detrimental. What's up, my little homies? Welcome back to The Love Drive, a podcast on cultivating love and building intimacy. The goal here at The Love Drive is to put love into words. And to be honest with you, I'm having a little bit of a like a tough time getting this intro recorded because I'm I'm self-conscious because it's been two months since I've published an episode. We're calling this season two, by the way. And it's like it's like when you don't go to the gym for a few months, that first day back is so hard. And so for me, this is my first day back uh, since basically the end of October. So I'm glad to be back. I'm just a little nervous and I'm, I'm going to call it out. And I want to say that I'm really excited about 2019. Um, we've got some cool ideas. We've got some great guests. We're going to continue to do free love advice. We're going to introduce a new segment called Real Love Stories. At the break, I will tell you how you can help. If you want free love advice, if you know someone who has a, like a particularly touching love story, I'm going to ask that you contact me. Because the reality is that I love hearing from you. I really do. If there's something that you want to hear about on the podcast, then, then I want to know about it so that we can add it to our future programming. So today... Before we jump into brand new stuff, today is a best of 2018 episode. What I did was I took the top three most downloaded episodes, and then I picked out my favorite little segments of conversation. And we're going to start off with talking about something that is so hard to do, which is like how to say no to people in a kind, loving way, but also how to handle rejection. So how to handle people saying no to you. And then also how to incorporate self-care and the importance of self-care because 2019, I'm telling you now, is the year of self-care because we can't show up for others if we're not showing up for ourselves. My name is Sean Galanos. This is The Love Drive. Welcome back. I appreciate really clear communication and I it's like something that that's part of the work that I do in helping people find the very best ways to say the things that they need to say and not sugarcoat things but to say them with kindness but also when when it's no it's no I'm not available that's one of the things that I sort of teach people to say is that I'm not available for that I like that yeah if someone asks me for a date and I'm not interested I'll say um, I'm not available for dating. Right. And they'll go, well, are you dating? Yeah, I'm dating. I'm just, I'm just not available to go on a date with you. I'm not interested. I'm not interested usually comes in after there's, if there's more clarification needed, but usually I'm not available is, is pretty clear. I like it keeping it simple because it, as we start to say more, there's a, a, a sense that I need to explain myself. I need to justify, like I owe this person yeah. some sort of story. Yeah. which feels already like I'm getting wrapped up into trying to fix them or rescue wherever they might be. And 
I don't need to go there. No. Um, that's not my work. My work is taking care of this yeah. here. Yeah. Number one. Taking care of number one is really, I mean, it's not selfish at all. I mean, I've been saying that forever and people, people would go, oh, that's, that's really selfish. And I go, you know, taking care of myself is not selfish. It's what I need to do in order for me to show up for you. It's the oxygen mask, right? It's the oxygen <laughs> mask. <laughs> that damn oxygen. I hear that shit like every week. It's crazy, right? Yeah. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your, on your child or on, you know, the person that needs help. I was rejected recently. Actually, yesterday I was rejected. And, you know, really quickly, I could go to a place where I'm telling myself stories about the fact that I'm not lovable or that I'm not dateable or that I'm not worthy. But the first thing that came up, actually, that's not true. It took, a, it took maybe five or 10 minutes, but I, I, was, rem- I was reminded of a thing that I, that I know to be true and sounds a little new agey, which is that rejection is God's protection. When people reject me, it's the universe saying, not for you, period. I don't have to feel, I don't have to know why I don't have to take it personally. And it's often there's something going on with them that doesn't vibe with me. And, and it makes it so much easier to just walk away with my head up high and to know that I'm okay. I'm lovable. I'm worthy. I'm just not for that person. I like that a lot. I imagine that's very difficult for a lot of people that requires a certain amount of trust or faith that there's something bigger, there's another, there's a, there's a greater intelligence that's going on that we can't, maybe we can on some level perceive. But allowing ourselves to accept what is and know that that's perfect, even if it may be a little sting and we're not necessarily getting what we want, but we may get actually in the end what we need. I was disappointed. And I've also learned to tell people when I'm disappointed. And to say, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed because I was really looking forward to getting to know you. And at the same time, thank you for telling me. Because you're right. I do have faith and I trust in the universe, period. I trust in the universe that it's all unfolding the way that it's unfolding. So for someone who struggles with new agey stuff, I still trust in the goddamn universe. Beautiful. Yeah. I have to or else, or else I'm fighting. Right. And I don't want to fight. What we're talking about seems like a core element about how to show up in the world. So I love that you can be honest, even if it's a bit painful. I think of it as um, we all experience pain, but we don't all have to suffer. When someone is clearly a no, even if you feel a pain of rejection or, or closure to a possible connection or exploration, it quickly is like a dead end or a cul-de-sac where you can be, oh, okay, now I know. I don't need to put more energy there. I can redirect my energy somewhere else. There's a tremendous amount of freedom. Exactly. Tremendous amount of freedom when people say no. So, it's such a gift. And I think if when I'm able to see and remember, okay, my ego might be a little bit hurt or somewhere inside me, I'm like, oh, I had a hope and it, it's not being met right now, can touch this place of, oh, it's, there is something else for me. It's not here yeah. or it's not now. And it could also change. 
and just to trust in that. <sighs> trust in the universe. And I did what you what you suggested. I I I went to the gym. You know, I went for a walk. I, I like left the space. And I went and, and found a way to take care of myself that wasn't grasping for another human. And I felt so much better. Great. And then I went and volunteered. And I always feel great when I volunteer. Mm. There are things that I do to make sure that, that I'm always taking care of myself, regardless of whether people are validating me or, or taking care of my needs. I'm making sure that my needs are being met. Fantastic. Hard to do sometimes. Yeah. That conversation was part of the episode called The Power of Platonic Touch with Solomon Kruger. Solomon is a pretty awesome human. Uh, he's the facilitator of platonic touch events that happen here in Montreal called Cozy. They can also be sort of described as cuddle parties of sorts. And I've really enjoyed attending them. They've been really good for me in terms of like getting my needs for touch met um, outside of sort of like a sexual or romantic relationship. It's a beautiful episode because we talk about how to get your needs for touch met. We talk about how to ask, uh, how to make sort of invitations for different types of platonic touch, like s cuddling, snuggling, massage, etc. We talk about obviously rejection, how to say no, how to handle saying no. We talk about self-care. It's been helpful for me in learning how to get my touch needs met in a non-sexual way. You can find that on uh, my website at thelovedrive.com forward slash EP34 or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of what I do is I give free love advice, particularly on Fridays, particularly on Instagram, but also sometimes I record free love advice Fridays for my podcast. So if you have a situation and you want 30 minutes of my time and you want to hash this thing out together, then I am here for you. If this is something that you're interested in, I would be thrilled to sit and talk with you. The best way to do that is for you to book yourself on my calendar. Go to thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. Follow the directions. Get on my calendar. Let's figure it out together. This next conversation with none other than Megan Tonjes about body love, about how to accept your body. I, like most people, have a hard time accepting my body sometimes. Sometimes I got a lot of body love. Sometimes I got little body love. Megan Tonjes helps me break it down. Here it is. Obviously, I've experienced a lot of misconceptions people have about fat people and how that's affected my life. And like growing up, what people told me I could or couldn't do. And I grew up thinking like, oh, I'll never find someone that loves me. Oh, I'll have to change my body. And I was teased by people. And I was like, I classic like went to my, my sixth grade dance. And, you know, not only did I have girls come up to me asking if I was pregnant and it just made me very upset when I was 12, but I also had boys that were pretending, oh, so-and-so wants to dance with you. And they were, you know, messing with their friend as a joke. I was at the expense of me essentially. And so it's just, you deal with a lot of people thinking that you're not really a person and treating you like a joke. 
And I'm, I don't know how it happened, but I'm lucky enough to, I think, have grown up in, in somewhat of a way where I was told by my mom, like, whatever you want to do, we're going to figure it out. And I internalized that enough that now I think I can do anything I want. And so I do it, even if the world tells me I can't. Why? Because I'm fat. I'm funny. I'm great. And I'm beautiful. And I'm awesome. Hello. Obviously. Why, wow. do you think, why, do, why do you think he's sitting across the room why, from me? Why do you think we're talking right now? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that you had you had like some level of support that allowed you, yeah, to to sort of like grow up feeling like you were you were worth it and you could do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, but it wasn't the interesting thing was I wasn't I didn't grow up feeling good about my body necessarily. Like I went to fat camp. My parents sent me to fat camp when I was young. I was put on diet suppressants when I was like thirteen. My mom would sneak me to the gym and I would lie about my age because I wasn't old enough to be at the gym. I did all the things. I came from a family who didn't look like me. I ate what they ate, but my body just dealt with it differently. I didn't like playing sports so much. I wanted to be on the computer. I wanted to write fan fiction. I wanted to be online. I wanted to write. I wanted to read. And uh, and I just, I looked different from everyone. But my my family all, they all have body image issues too. They were always, everyone's always on a diet. Everyone's always, you know, communicating and talking about other people's bodies in front of them or about them. And... I think as I've gotten older, I just, I don't like how that feels. And that's not really the life that I choose. But I also remember being in second grade and I remember this kid whispering to me that I was fat. And instead of me crying about it or going home, I raised my hand and I told the teacher, he's telling me that I'm fat. Like I immediately was a tattletale. And I think that that's carried over into what I do. When I see something that I don't like and I feel something that I don't like, I say it. Because I know that if I feel it, someone else feels it. And I think that's actually been the key to what I do online. I just said the thing that happened to me and how I felt about it. And then other people who didn't feel empowered to say that were like, oh, I feel that way too. Wow, seeing you say that makes me feel like I can say that too. I sort of do that to a certain extent when it comes to sexuality and intimacy from a man's perspective. I like talk about things that people feel are awkward and that often aren't talked about. Mm -hmm. And it it just like, it empowers people, number one, to talk about those subjects because, and then they also they realize that they're not alone. And there's probably a lot of people that feel the way you felt. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that don't even look like me that feel the way that I feel. There are a lot of people that are like the traditionally small, beautiful. Everyone feels to some extent like that. And just a lot of people don't know it because they think, oh, they have a perfect life. They have a perfect body. They must be happy with it. What ends up happening is that people look at me just existing and not being apologetic for anything and say, oh, that's so brave. And it's like, it makes me sad because it's so brave because we live in a world that conditions us to make us feel like we have to constantly hate ourselves. If we're not hating ourselves, we're doing it wrong. And I don't like that feeling. I don't, I only have so much energy to begin with. And it's like, why am I going to waste it feeling like I hate myself when I don't hate myself? I like who I am. I just wish that things in the world were somewhat different. And while I'm here, why don't I do stuff that I love? And maybe make a dent. And maybe a little bit of a dent. I get comments from people who say, you know, oh, I've been watching you for years and you've helped me feel really good about my body in a way that no one else has. Or I asked this person out because I felt confident from something you said in a video. Or I did, I did this thing. And to see other people say, oh, I did this thing that I normally wouldn't have done or I didn't feel like I could do. I almost feel like an older sister that's coming in and giving you the support that maybe your parents aren't or they're not in a place to be able to give you because they can't give it to themselves. Right. So I'm just of the opinion that I feel like I'm a strong person who... My my talent is really, and that was a really Midwest way to say that, talent. My talent. My talent. I have faith that I can handle most things. 
And I like taking those things and communicating them in a way that makes sense. And if I can learn, if I can go through something and then I can put it in a poetic way and make it make sense and bring a little empathy to it and pass it on, it's like I learn better, I do better, I want to pass it on to people that watch me. You talked about how most people feel bad about themselves and I I found that that's true. It is true. No matter what people look like, no matter how chiseled they are, there's always something that they want to change. Yeah. And even for me, like I'm like normal sized dude and I'm obsessed with- You want abs. I want those abs. You want those abs. I'm obsessed with abdominal fat. Yeah. Interesting. Obsessed. I look at my stomach like seven times a day. And I'm totally within like, you know, yeah. a regular BMI or whatever. And you're hyper-focused on it. Hyper-focused. I don't think that's unusual though, but it, it makes me sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. I, wanna, I want you to love your belly fat that's non-existent. <laughs> I know. I want to love my non-existent normal abdominal fat. Yeah. I think it's just, it, it really is, a, it's, we grow up seeing people, we see our parents looking in the mirror and constantly wanting to change something or commenting on themselves or telling us that, oh, I'm paying attention to your body in some kind of way. It's changed. You should do more of this. You should do less of this. So we always feel like we need to be constricting ourselves and we need to be hyper-focused. And I don't, I don't quite know what the exact switch was for me. I do know there was a big moment in my life when my grandma got sick and she was in, she went into a diabetic coma Uh, woke up and then we nursed her from the hospital to a nursing home, nursing home back home. While she was in the nursing home, nursing homes are like notoriously understaffed and it's just really hard for them to take care of everyone. And so my mom and I would be there all of the time. So I would be cleaning my grandma, changing my grandma, feeding my grandma, bathing my grandma. And I remember, you know, she was like a bigger woman and we're, we're doing all these things. And there's never a moment that I'm thinking, oh God, her arms are so flabby. Oh God, her stomach. I just loved her and I wanted to take care of her. And that's all I saw. And I think that was a huge light bulb moment for me where I thought, if that's how I feel about someone I love, someone that loves me is also gonna feel the same way. So why am I sitting here in the middle of like sleeping with someone or in the middle of doing anything, thinking about like what this looks like. I'm seeing it in a way that other people aren't seeing it. And I'm changing the course of my life in a way that I, I shouldn't be. So I think that was just a huge moment for me where I realized people that love me aren't looking at me the way that I'm looking at me and I kind of got to let it go. And when I'm thinking about things that I want to change about myself in my 30s, I'm never thinking like, oh, I need to I need to lose weight. I need to do all this. I'm thinking like, wow, I need to be more open about my feelings with people. I need to do less of this emotionally and more of this emotionally. I'm trying to get to like the inside core of who I am. I'm not so concerned about this because this can change from a myriad of different reasons. I could get sick. I could be on a medication that makes me lose or gain weight. I could Anything could happen. But if I'm not like figuring out what's going on in here, then I'm not going to be able to deal with how the world sees me on the outside. It's like those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. Yeah. Like the people that are going to love you are going to love you. Yeah. And the people and the haters, I mean, the haters hate themselves. Oh, absolutely. Like every time I hear a negative comment, I go, oh, it must be so hard to be you. <laughs> To have to, like, need to put people down in order for you to feel better.
That was an excerpt from the How to Love Your Body with Megan Tonjes episode. Megan Tonjes is a YouTuber. She's a, mu- she's a musician. She's appeared on Ellen. She is an all-around badass. And uh, you can find that full episode on thelovedrive.com forward slash EP30. That's three zero or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or you know the drill. That episode is really awesome because Megan is a huge flirt. And I thought I was a huge flirt, but Megan somehow out flirted me. We recorded that episode at an Airbnb in New York City when she was visiting. And it's it's sweet and it's loving and it talks a lot about how to accept your body and the importance of self-love and the importance of not letting your negative body image get in the way of you just fucking doing your life. And it's a good reminder and I need it on a daily basis. So thank you, Megan. I'm forever grateful for your presence and I'm so glad that we got to meet. Okay, I'm working on a new segment. It's called Real Love Stories. I want touching love stories. I want to interview folks who have an an amazing, an incredible, a heartwarming, a devastating, a real, raw, authentic love story. So if you know a person who has a story that really needs to be shared, or if you are that person, I invite you to contact me either on Instagram at the love drive, slide into my DMs, or send me an email, sean at thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N at thelovedrive.com. I want to hear from you. We need to share these love stories. I want to put love into words. I want to help you and me cultivate love and build intimacy. And we can do that through the power of other people's stories. So reach out. Please don't be shy. I am available. And I want to share these real love stories with my listeners. So do it. Do it now. Okay, this last conversation with Dr. Jordana Jacobs about, well, this this part of the conversation is about, you know, the list, right? You know, the list. Capital T, capital L. (laughs) The list of what are the qualities that our ideal partner has. So we talk about the list and we talk about how to do the work in a relationship. Love is hard work. So Jordana shares what it means to do the work and how we can choose to do the work rather than to cut and run when it gets hard, which is what I do, which is what I've done, which is what I don't want to do anymore. So here's that conversation with Dr. Jordana Jacobs. You said Mm -hmm. that love takes hard work and to delude ourselves into thinking otherwise is extremely detrimental because the moment it inevitably does get hard, we disengage. Mm -hmm. And I've had three relationships that I think had the potential to be longer than they were. Mm -hmm. And I disengaged because I was scared because I didn't want to do the work. Mm. So how can we, how can we do the work? How can we do the work? I would say it's really about commitment and choice commitment and choice to do the work. You're not going to do the work unless you want to do the work. You know, if you keep on searching for somebody with whom it's going to be less work, 
And I think that we have in our society, especially because of online dating, the illusion that there's always somebody else out there that could be better for us, right? And there's a lot of research on online dating. I did a, a small research project on online dating that was really highlighted the idea of choice overload and decision paralysis. You've read and all about all of this. I mean, I know about this in different contexts, but like, you know, they did the the study of if you have only six right. j- jars exactly. of jam, it's exactly. much easier much to Much easier to decide, you know? And we um, have, if if you're searching for the one, right? And that, and that one has that unconscious pressure on them to fulfill all of our needs, including our need to be saved from death. The best know? jam. The, be- the best jam the best there ever jam. was, you know? And there are literally, you know, thousands upon thousands of jams at our fingertips, you know? Um, you know, our people, uh, we're, really, we're really in trouble, you know? And the search can just go on and on. And that's why I sort of think that if the focus is placed less on fulfilling our own needs and much more on on really loving and giving to another person, we're I think we're probably more likely to stick it stick it out. What can I bring to this relationship rather than what can I get out of? Yeah. I mean, also, the best way to get is to give. Mm-hmm. You know, and so whenever I'm feeling down, I'll go and give, and then I I get something that I wasn't expecting. Right, and you know, I'm aware that even as I'm saying this, I I we do have we are not enlightened beings. Like we do have needs, you know, uh, and we are attached to ourselves, and we are atta- we do have egos, you know. Um, so it's it's not you know just like anger you were talking about. It's not an all or nothing equation. You know, it's not like you're either furious or you're not angry at all. It's not like you either have no ego and it's all about giving, you know, or you have you're very egoic and it's all about like what you're getting. I'm just saying if we can shift that that uh, meter more towards the giving and and less towards the ego. We also have to be really careful because there are people pleasers out there who give all they do is give that's true at the detriment of themselves but a lot of the times this is sort of tricky but a lot of the times that giving has to do with fulfilling their their need you know um and there are a lot of people whose ego is really fed by it's actually a version of narcissism it's called self-sacrificing self-enhancement um there are people that self-sacrifice in order to feel uh like they're worthy and like they're they're good enough and actually even better than you because i'm such a giver it's a sort of a martyr syndrome yeah and there's also probably manipulators that know that when they give, they get. Yeah. Yeah. So these these concepts are, they're, they're all blurry, you know? There's, there's nothing like hard and fast, uh, or we, would, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Right. Maybe get assessed. Yeah. Get Maybe a, get assessed. Go get a psychological assessment. <laughs> or like me, interview experts. In various That's domains, right, 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 and get quasi-free therapy sessions <laughs> and coaching sessions out of the out of the deal. It's a good. It's pretty smart. It's pretty smart. Yeah, you've got. I built a good thing here. You did. I've got a good did. thing. It's working for you. <laughs> what I would like to do is have more conversations with men. Yeah, is it mostly women? Yeah, because 
It's women that are leading, like that are having these conversations. Yeah. It's harder. That's true. I, I can't really like think of any men to refer you to. Well, there's Alan de Botton. That's true. Uh, so Alan de Botton, we bring we brought him up a couple of times. Let's just sure. Let's go there. A good partnership is not so much one between two healthy people. Uh, in in brackets, there aren't many of these on the <laughs> planet. Thank you, Alan. Uh, it's one between two demented people who have had the skill or luck to find a non-threatening, conscious accommodation between their relative insanities. Which Love is, him. Yeah, which is basically like find a crazy that you can be with. Absolutely. Be crazy together. In a- but what's key in that is an awareness of your crazy. You know, I, I think that if you're crazy, which like like he says, most of us are in, in certain ways, being aware of the ways in which you are crazy or and shining that, that light of awareness um, and then being able to talk about it. You know, one of the things he does say is, you know, that like when you meet people, you should say how you're crazy in the very beginning. People should know right off the bat. But in order to know that, you have to really look, right? Um, and some people don't do that work of, of looking and understanding themselves. And I think underneath all the crazy, the thing that we don't really look at is our fear of mortality. So I'm trying to get people to look there as well. We're going to start looking there. Good. I mean, I have to at least. You're already doing it. I'm You're getting doing there. it now. You just did it the last hour. <laughs> I want to know, how are you crazy? Because <laughs> you said we might get personal. <laughs> so let's just get a little personal. How am I crazy? Hmm. You know, I think that I feel like many of us, but I'm I'm very aware of this process for me. I feel a lot safer when there's certainty and when there's structure and that can bleed into being like pretty rigid sometimes and like not uh, spontaneous and very like left brained, you know, very like intellectual and and I think I use um, I use that to to quote unquote like feel safe. Mm. And the best experiences I've had in my life are when I can let go of that and just sort of live and be and experience my my right brain and really feel, you know, because the the downside of that rigidity is that there's less openness to really feel what you feel in the moment. So a lot of my emotional work is about like sort of letting go of that, just letting go in general and letting myself just be. And <laughs> just to relate it again to mortality is that's the ultimate uncertainty. So it does. It makes some sense to me that I would spend a good portion of the last four years of my life trying to intellectually understand that. But the times that have been most like blissful and liberating to me is when I let go of that intellectual understanding and I allow myself to really feel into it. The answer is to let go. Yeah. Yeah. For me, at least. Probably for a lot of people, but... That's part of my crazy, is to let go of the rigidity. Yeah. Uh, and the list, which is also a form of rigidity. Absolutely. It's the most... I know. ...rigid. Yes. <laughs> uh, and to let go of uh, unrealistic expectations of people. And of yourself. And wow. Not bad. We have the expectations of other people that we have of ourselves. And that if 
your expectations of yourself are rigid, right? To a certain extent, very left-brained. So if you want to really, you know, like call in the one, you know, and, and really sort of broaden your capacity to connect with somebody, you obviously need to change the way that you think about yourself. You know, the lens through which you view yourself is the lens through which you view other people. So if you can start to work on having different expectations of yourself that aren't as rigid and that are more, much more open, then that will translate and the list, the list will change or completely disappear. That excerpt was from the episode on Loving More Fully by Being Aware of Death with Dr. Jordana Jacobs. Jordana has studied the relationship between death and love and how being aware of your own mortality can lead to an increased capacity in your ability to love. It's a heartwarming episode, and I think you'll really enjoy it. You can find it at thelovedrive.com forward slash EP31 or on all those podcast apps. So that is it for today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this community, this Love Drive community, which uh, is, it's heartwarming for me to be able to engage with a lot of you. Uh, those conversations, a lot of those conversations are happening on Instagram, on my stories. And uh, it's really nice to be able to connect with uh, a lot of you. So if you want to come say hi, come say hi on Instagram at The Love Drive or shoot me a message, sean at thelovedrive.com. And we'll be back next week and every Tuesday until further notice. Here's a sneak peek of next week's episode. The secret to giving a great massage, it's one sentence. How slow can you go and how high can you fly? That's what I say. Ha, ha, ha.